Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I have Kelly Savage with me from Canada. She's a fantastic person. She's an empathetic person. She has a lot of wisdom and she is a spiritual seeker by birth. She's also a registered nurse. What I found most fascinating about Kelly is that she went through a lot in her life. And then I brought her here specifically to talk about her experience through infidelity in marriage, because I know a lot of you probably have gone through this or are currently going through it. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you, Yumi. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here. So Kelly, um, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your marriage and how you discovered things weren't exactly as they seemed. Absolutely. So my um, first husband, we were married together for about 15 years. And from the outside, and even from the inside, from my perspective, I thought we were doing um, very well. Not long into our marriage, we ended up moving and living in Saudi Arabia. And I worked as a nurse there. And my ex-husband was with the Ministry of Interior. And he um, also worked with uh, the royal family as well and did a lot of work with the embassy. And we had a great life, traveled a lot, made many friends. And after seven years, we went through um, infertility and ended up having triplets. So as far as I was concerned, we were pretty tight and um, many other couples would look to us for guidance and uh, mentorship on marriage. So as you can imagine, when I learned many years later after returning to Canada that my husband was not faithful, um, in fact, you may not only was he not faithful, he was one of those people that you see in movies or read about in books who lived different lives. And um, to this day, I will still have people say to me, how could you not have known? Were there no signs? And my honest answer is, I did not know. And there weren't any signs. He was... Um, up until a certain point, a very loving and supportive husband. We were great friends, great travel partners, had a great sex life. Um, so no, there weren't any signs. And he was gone often for long stretches of time due to the type of work that he did. Um, so I really didn't learn about the affairs until our triplets were going on four years old. And um, when we came back to Canada, he went into uh, return back to policing. And um, there was a particular job that he wanted to get based on his experience in Saudi Arabia, which was with an anti-terrorist um, section of the police force. And he didn't get that job. And I think that started his downward spiral and um, he became an alcoholic. He had back surgery. He was addicted to painkillers and um, we had gone to the doctor and were slotted to go for counseling. And he decided he wanted to go to counseling on his own. And then we would go together. And I rang the counselor 
after a number of months and said, you know, I really need us to get to the point where we are working together now, coming in together. He's been going on his own long enough. And she said to me, he has never come for even one appointment. So I knew right then something triggered in me because I thought, you know, he's been going to a lot of counseling, right? Uh Um, And then Father's Day came and he said that he was going camping Father's Day weekend with a group of guys up in an area in Northern Ontario called Bala. So what I did is I went to Canadian Tire, which is like an outdoor store here, and I bought a big camping in a box type thing because we didn't have camping stuff. And I thought, well, this will be really great to give him for me and the kids. It's relevant to what he's doing. Um, We attended the kids graduation from kindergarten because, you know, you have to graduate from kindergarten now. And um, when we got back to the house, he was uh, preparing to get ready to go. And we presented him with the gift thinking it was an incredible gift. And um, what I had done was put it in the trunk of his car, like as a surprise. And um, someone had taken a picture. I think it might've been my mom took a Mm -hmm. picture of me and him and the triplets at the trunk with this bag in it. And anyways, he went on his camping trip, fishing trip, and he came home and I was expecting him to have like a fisherman's tan, you know, where you have your t-shirt on and shorts, right? Well, this man was tanned front to back, top to bottom. And again, something had just tweaked in me and I thought, hmm, something's not right. Something's not going on. The, something's so going on. That, mind me yeah, yeah. So when the counselor told you that he never showed up for any sessions, mm-hmm. did you confront him at that point? No, I didn't. I think I was trying to process everything. Um, I'm an investigator by nature. I, I felt that I needed to have more information. So, and because I didn't know what to do, I thought I just shouldn't do anything. I, I wanted to have trust that whatever it was he was doing, he needed to do, but it just didn't cross my mind what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So eventually I um, learned that he was having um, an affair and I thought that it was his first one. So I was prepared to let him sort things out for the sake of our history and our family and the future that I thought we had. And it was my sister-in-law who um, called me up one day and said, you know, I have something to tell you. Um, And she thought I should know that it wasn't the first time and that there was um, things that I should know that if I was going to go forward, I should do it with eyes wide open. And she told me about a firefighter's dinner that she had gone to with her husband. a few years before this and she was seated at a table with um, someone else who was so excited because 
they were going to spend time with their boyfriend finally. And he happened to be living in Saudi Arabia, but they'd been dating for two years and she was pretty sure he was going to ask her to marry him, that um, he had been talking about getting a, a an Igama or visitor's visa for her to go to Saudi and small world, you know, my sister-in-law said, oh, really? My brother-in-law is there. What's his name? And she gave the name and it was the same person. So my sister-in-law had to share with her that um, he was married married. and had three children the same age. And Mm -hmm. she was completely, completely devastated. And I, I do, I can't tell you why, but that once I heard that, I thought, okay, I know I can't deny anymore. I have to say something. So I did confront um, my husband and he tried to deny it. He came up with some fantastical story about how he met her at a Moose when he was home in Canada one time and she was stalking him and he had to get the police involved. And I just switched. Yeah, of course. It's right? a crazy other lady. Right. Yeah. I saw him in a completely different light. And I mean, we're talking, you know, she obviously was with him um, like in the late 90s. And I thought, I remember saying to him, so you're, you really want me to believe that some woman from Canada was stalking you in Saudi Arabia? No, yeah, doesn't happen. And in that moment, the person that he had led me to believe that he was for so many years uh, peeled away like a layer of an onion or something. And the man that yeah. stood before me, it's like once he realized that I didn't think he walked on water anymore, he filled with hatred towards me. And um, eventually what I did was I rang this other girl that he had been having an affair with years before when we were in Saudi. And I remember her answering the phone and I introduced myself and I said, you know, I'm not angry with you. I don't blame you. The reason that I'm calling is because he is leading me to believe that the affair he's having now is his first one. And I would maybe consider trying to move through this for the sake of our family. But if I find out that it isn't, then I have no choice. And she shared with me that um, they had met at Muswinuski's indeed. Um, She never knew that he was married. Over the course of two years, they did a lot of traveling together. He would fly her out to San Francisco Um, they met in Cuba, they had wonderful trips. She had, he had bought her beautiful jewelry, um, and had led her to believe that they would be getting married. That's amazing. Do you ever, um, did your husband ever reveal to you why he did what he did? Because he sounded like the talented Mr. Ripley as if he has multiple personality of sorts, but it's not clear why he would do this, especially since, your marriage was great. You have kids. You obviously mm-hmm. doted on him. No, to this day, I can't tell you why he did that. I can only tell you that um, the pattern never stopped. So 
he did end up leaving for one of the two people he was having an affair with at the same time towards the end of our marriage. And they moved in together. They eventually had a child together. Um, but his behavior didn't change. And unfortunately, his um, drinking got worse. And um, he too came into some mental health issues um, as he got older. And now, unfortunately, this man who was so full of promise hasn't worked in many, many years, um, has been on death's door in palliative care with liver failure, um, has had a revolving door of girlfriends and infidelities. And I feel like once he got older um, and his other issues that he couldn't hide them anymore. He couldn't um, play the role or keep the facade up. He just, it's just, he's just not capable of doing it anymore in the long term. So he will still schmooze women, so to speak, and be very charming, but the relationships don't last very long because he can't keep up the, the row, so to speak. That's so well said because mm-hmm. I, um, I don't know if your husband has been diagnosed as any particular type of mental disorder, but what I've heard is that if a person is a narcissist, they may be able to do some of this Don Juan-like stuff and seem very mm-hmm. smart in their younger days when they're energetic and they have the money and the looks. Right. But it's not a pretty picture for an aging narcissist. So what you describe mm-hmm. is pretty typical. Yeah. And this is, you know, through my own years of counseling, et cetera, what, um, what I have concluded as well. He actually... Um, went on at one point to have a relationship with a doctor and she rang me very early in their relationship because she said her spidey senses were tingling Mm -hmm. and all she wanted to know was if he would cheat on her and I remember thinking you know first of all it's it's odd that you're calling me because I'm I'm the first wife but that's years ago now and you know a little bit defensive. I thought, well, if he cheated on me, what makes you think he's not going to cheat on you? Um, Eventually he, he did. And she took him back and he did it again. So, you know, now it might sound awful for me to say that in a way that makes me feel better, but it really does. You may in a way make me feel better because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's allowed me to, um, release a lot of what sat with me heavy on my heart for a long time around, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, did I not pay him enough attention when, when my triplets were born? Did I gain weight? Was I not pretty enough? Um, because I was staying home for a period of time with the kids, was I no longer interesting? Like, right just trying to, I think subconsciously, I thought if I could find the reason as it related to me, I could maybe fix it, but I learned that that's not possible. I love what you just said, because a lot of the um, listeners, as they go through infidelity and 
a common response is, what did I do wrong? Right? Mm-hmm. If I'm so amazing, why would they leave me? I must have not been good enough. Right. And I think this is just yet one more testament to the fact that it's not you, it's them and their own trauma. And we're just kind of like an innocent bystander that became a casualty of their unhealed trauma. It's really unfortunate, yes. but it's not personal to us. And they will do it again to somebody else. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, I remember thinking with with the one woman in particular that he ended up leaving and going to live with in my head, I just kept thinking, doesn't she understand if he'll do it with you, he will do it to you. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of psychology behind, you know, the wife, the mistress and the husband. Um, You know, you're in in a psychological dance together until someone decides to just back out and you know it's still it's still very unfortunate I can't of course it's had lots of lasting um emotional effects on myself and my children but but it's when I tell it still I hear myself telling it and I feel like I'm talking about someone entirely different or I'm talking about this movie that I saw or book I read it just I can't believe that that was my life let me let me just say that yeah I feel like sometimes when I tell my story of how I grew up with very abusive parents or how my ex-husband walked out of our marriage out of the blue just like that Mm -hmm. it felt like I'm telling somebody else's story but I almost feel like that's part of healing where I'm no longer in the story because when I'm in the story I'm suffering a lot now I I can tell it from a third party perspective and I gain perspective I can see like what you're seeing is it's not you it's them and their illness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that yeah I like that analogy about being outside of the story yeah yeah and that is that that is how it feels. And now, you know, it, it feels like so many lifetimes ago that sometimes I have to, on purpose, try to remember what the moments felt like. And, and that to me is an indication of healing and that I, I turned out okay in spite of. Absolutely. Did you feel like out of this experience, it changed you as a person or in, in what way do you feel like you might have grown? I've definitely grown in the sense of um, placing value on loyalty and placing value on forgiveness. Um, I think that took me a long time. But now I, I truly, I truly forgive. I, I can't necessarily say that I forgive him, but, you know, I forgive all of the things in the universe that I was angry at in the moment, you know, God, mother nature, Allah, whoever mm-hmm. source, whatever you want to call it, you know, thinking, why, why is this happening you know, we were married for seven years. Most couples after seven years are starting to have the seams split a little bit. And there we were going through the pains of infertility and to have children because we really wanted to have them. Like, why are you doing this? We're supposed to raise these kids and have this wonderful life and travel. And now you've pulled the rug out. But um, so 
I, I forgive all that because obviously it's out of my control. So I have, I really have no choice. And I think that not being able to forgive can keep you spinning in a negative place and the world will pass you by and you'll never continue to grow or find a new path if you stay in that place. Yeah, I think it's so well put. I remember reading um, Edith Edgar's book on surviving the Holocaust. And mm -hmm. she said something that really, really resonated with me. She said, survivors don't have time to ask, why me? We right. asked, what now? What now? <laughs> now, yeah. now we know. Was that her book called The Choice? Yes, it is. Oh, isn't that incredible? And isn't it? It's a great book. And, you know, it also teaches you that um, sometimes the feelings that we have or the taste in our mouth that we're left with can be shared amongst people from various experiences. But, you know, at the core of everything that seems to happen to us that's untoward can leave you with that question, why me? So seeking out those stories of people who get there for different reasons, like hers and the choice really helps you develop some tools. It absolutely does. It's really our shared suffering, shared humanity. It's just a shared human experience mm -hmm. with all the good and all the sadness that comes with it. Absolutely. Thank you, Kelly, so much for this story. It's so touching. And, and I think our listeners would really resonate because many people are suffering this right now mm -hmm. or just trying to forgive, but finding it very oh, difficult. Absolutely. And I, I'm so grateful for for you having me and allowing me to share parts of my story. And um, it's one of the things that I I hope to do is to help other people moving through this so that they can know that there is, there is an exit. <laughs> Absolutely. So I will give the listeners your contact information in the show. Okay. Notes. But everybody, if you want to get in touch with Kelly and her amazing story and her coaching services, check out her website at www.alivecoach.ca. Thanks again, Kelly. Thank you so much, Yume.